Warning, this podcast contains strong language, graphic nudity, and depictions of extreme stupidity and is meant only for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Or not, you do you. Welcome to the worst podcast on Mars, also known as Trustfall. I'm Amanda. I'm Evan. And this is the podcast where we talk music and we give you the history and background and like cultural significance of some really important albums. And this week we're doing Celine Dion's Falling Into You. But before we get started, how you doing, Evan? Better than our house. We're having some issues with leaky roofs and shit. And old cats. And old cats. And we got, we got a lot going on. Dentists. Dentists. Yes, but... We're feeling better. We don't have the nasally voices, um, so that is good. Um, what? Oh, uh, we're getting into, and by we, I mean I am getting into um, like end of year stuff at the school. So last night I had a band concert, a spring band concert and choir concert for my nieces. And my sister gave me some more dates. Somebody has, one of them has a uh, school project that, like, they, they have to be there. And he, they're doing a wax museum. And he's got that. And then in May is his extravaganza for the elementary. And then later on in May is another band and choir concert. And then softball starts in April. And it's just go, 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 go for them. So it'll, it'll be fun. And then all of a sudden, it's summer. Yeah. Well, it is fun for me because I get to sit there and gossip with my sister and eat snacks. It's pretty fun. (laughs) Uh, The snacks part sounds like more fun to me. Yes. Um, So do you have any corrections from last week? Last week was Frank Sinatra's In the Wee Small Hours. Uh, At the time of recording this, I just edited it. So I don't really, I didn't get a chance to dive into it. But I'm sure there's something I said that was wrong. Yes. I mean, that's just how it is with me, right? Apparently, I can't say things good or correct. So, I listened to your edits of Frank Sinatra today. Okay. By the way, they were fine. Okay, what did I fuck up? In it, you had argued with me. No, I didn't. That that Frank Sinatra's In the Wee Small Hours was not... First, it was the first concept album, and then you argued with me that it wasn't necessarily a concept album. No, you said it was the first concept concept album i said I, it was considered to be not that it was set in stone commandment style it was the first and you said you thought it was beach boys pet sound and then we had an argument over what the meaning of concept album was because you said to you a concept album told a story and i said it was based on a theme well good sir today before i had to leave work in a rush to meet the repair guy at home I went to dictionary.com and I said, dictionary.com, what is a concept album? And dictionary.com said, ma'am, a concept album is a rock album featuring a cycle of songs expressing a particular theme or idea. See also, Amanda's right and Evan is incorrect. Are you Googling it now? Just to check Okay, I'm going to Google something else. Where are we at? Dictionary.com? Yes. Okay. You continue, and then I we will circle back. So, that is my grievance, that you argued with me on your interpretation of a word when I was correct. So, suck butt. 
<laughs> no. What, what are you looking up? I'm looking up the word concept. It's an idea. What a novel concept, what a novel idea. It's the same meaning. So you would think that an idea to me is a store is a is a tangible thought. You said ver- two very important words to me. Yes. In that meaning your opinion. Yes, that's what this whole argument was. Fact. I concept said, is a theme or idea, not a story. I said to me I would define a concept album as a cohesive story. But the way you were arguing with me it was that I was incorrect. You are incorrect because you're ah! arguing Ah! Stop it. No. You are incorrect because you're assuming that you can understand Evan logic. No one can understand Evan logic. Shall I just get into it? Okay. So Celine Dion's Falling Into You was released March 12th of 1996. So the day we're recording this, what is today? March 7th? Yeah. So not too long ago, (laughs) (laughs) day-wise. You mean not too far in the distant future, day-wise? Yeah. <laughs> when is this gonna? When is this coming out? In March. Seventeenth. I don't know. Somewhere around that. Yeah. So it's number ninety-seven on this Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list. Twenty-five years ago, we'll just call. You said ninety-eight or ninety-six. Ninety-six. Okay, so twenty-five years ago, give or take. <laughs> okay. Falling into you was Celine Dion's fourth english language album most of her other albums were in french and it became her first number one album on the billboard 200 so if you don't know she's from canada and she's from french-speaking canada so most of her albums prior to this were in french okay what i was gonna say strike one because we've we you we are uh, really trying to alienate our one and only canadian we, listener we've already gone through what i think about <laughs> canada <laughs> Well, you unless know, they're I know she unless listened, it's Rush. I know she listened to the Shania Twain episode, and she's still talking to you. So you must not. I have, don't know if she listened to it or not. She did. She told me she was downloading it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, I didn't get that. I guess she just really likes the podcast. So thank you. But also, you suck. Stop insulting Canada. Um, while falling into you may seem a bit out of place among a lot of the other albums on this list, the reason it's here is because of its influence. And because of the style of music it was. It was more than just a pop album that inspired a lot of other pop artists. It put power ballads back on the charts. Power ballads were made big in the 70s by Barry Manilow. And Guns N' Roses carried them into the 80s. But they began to lose steam in the 90s until Celine. I would think maybe some of that uh, glam too with Poison. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Motley Crue had a couple. And so that's what I were, would... when you when you think power ballads you think big hair metal like in the 80s that it's I think it started in the 70s that's why when you and it made it got really big in the 80s and then it kind of died out and then here came Celine Dion and you said Barry Manilow I'm like that's not what I would associate ballads with I would with like you said the hair metal right um falling into you is what made Celine Dion a household name and made her massively popular in the U.S. Where, at the time, she was really only a star in Canada. For this album, Dion teamed up with Jim Steinman. Do you remember him? Mm-hmm. Of what? Meatloaf. Meatloaf. I said, remember him? <laughs> remember him? He was the one who I worked. Remember. 
<laughs> I'm mad by him. He was the one who worked with Meatloaf on Bad Out of Hell and Back Into Hell. He was the one that originally wrote It's All Coming Back to Me Now for a girl group in the 80s, but it didn't do well for him, and Celine just knocked it out of the park. And here's a not-so-fun fact. The last song from the album, Fly, was written by Celine as a tribute to her niece who had died from cystic fibrosis. I thought that was an interesting little note. So I know that wasn't a lot of information. Okay. I'm going to address that here in a bit. Okay. But I'm going to move on to the cultural impact part of it. Okay. Okay. This album was the world's best-selling album that year. 96. Okay. I'm trying to think of what else big came out in 96. Because wasn't... When was... uh... NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. That was like 98, 99? 97, I think. 98. Okay. So a few years later. And there's some early early 90s stuff. So, okay. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It won two Grammys for Album of the Year and Best Pop Album. It had been verified, verified, certified (laughs) 11 times platinum in the U.S. and multiple times platinum in almost every other country. It has sold over 32 million copies worldwide, and because of its sales, it is listed as one of the 20 biggest selling albums in music history. Okay. So it just blew the fuck up. Falling Into You had five singles, All By Myself, which went to number four in the U.S. and number six in the U.K. It's All Coming Back to Me Now, which was number one in Canada, number two in America, and number three in the U.K., because You Loved Me, which was number five in the U.S., which was thanks to, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the movie. It was the theme song for a very popular movie at the time. And uh, so, I think it says on the track. I'll look at that. Yeah, it. I can't remember. Which one was it? Because You Loved Me. Um, Falling Into You and Call the Man. Um, the last two were only released in Europe as singles, so I don't have any charting information for them. Uh, it says because... Or, um... I just had it. Waiting to Exhale. Okay. I think that's the name of the movie. Because the the rest of it says theme from Up Close. Oh, Up Close and Personal? I think. Okay. It it just says Up Close because it trails off because there's so much to read. Um, Falling Into You, it it would be nice if you can Google it. Yeah, I'm looking (laughs) up 96 96 albums and then I'll Google that. Um, Falling Into You is credited for shaping pop music as we know it today. Without this album, we wouldn't have Adele and her powerful voice and emotions. We wouldn't have Drake and his ability to create relatable lyrics about relationships. And Celine inspired Lady Gaga in terms of being extreme. While Celine wasn't as extreme and, and she never wore a meat dress... She did wear a backwards tuxedo to the Oscars long before it wouldn't have been would have even been considered a reasonable thing to do. And fun fact, up close and personal. Up close and personal. Fun fact, ready? Okay. Is it Andrew Lloyd Webber called it's all coming back to me now the quote greatest love song ever written, end quote, and Dion's version of it the record of the millennium. All right. So it's pretty powerful endorsement, methinks. Yeah. So, I know that wasn't a lot. It, it, it was just, it wasn't a lot of information, but I really, really struggled 
to find something something significant or even a real answer as to why this album changed pop. Like, uh, I saw so many articles that said, like, this is the album that changed pop. But it didn't give me, like, a, a why. So, based on everything I read, I, I've given you the highlights without yeah. all the fluff. Based on everything I've read, here's what I've come up with. Okay. It was relatable, emotional, and powerful, and people just ate it up. There's no real significant history behind it, but the fact that it sold so well is why it had to be on this list. She's the reason power ballads were so big in the 90s, and I can see the influence for later artists like Adele and Ariana Grande and Lady Gaga. I just wish there was more to it. There was no, like, major backstory. She wasn't, like, a failing artist that was, like, like Rush is the first one I can think of where they were told not to do another concept album and they were just going to do it anyway because that's what they wanted to do. And or, it was, like, a, like, a Purple Rain. Well, where it was, it, hold on. Okay. It was, like, they, they decided if it didn't do well, they were done as a band and it blew up. Or, you're right, like, a Purple Rain that was written specifically for a movie. You know, it just... She was just making another album because she was pulled in the studio to do it. She's very talented and has a very, very powerful voice. I mean, she's, I don't know if you remember VH1 back in the... Back in the old days. Olden days of your, um, I want to say late 90s to early 2000s. They had like a divas show where, and, and I think it was like just a special they did every year and they would bring on like all these divas to perform so like uh celine dion and mariah carey are the two big names i remember that they would come on and perform songs together she's very much a, a diva she deserves this the diva status but i couldn't find any big information as to how this album came to be you know, she just went into the studio to record a everyday an album, album yeah. and it was like, this is the this is the album I can see like everybody's mom buying and playing in the grocery stores and and that may be why it sold so well just mm-hmm. because it was it's not as um, how do I want to word it it's more easy to listen to yeah mm-hmm. the the audience isn't so selective it really is for everybody. But it's also very relatable in the content. And it just is sold so well, you know. So it's, I think that's why it's on this list. I just wish I had more information. Yeah, because like we've gone through this and some of the others where, yeah, we, we can't find a lot of information. Which was the one recently where you're like, all I can find is just about the song. It's just the one song that you can find out about. But you can't... I know Tool was like that where... That might have been one. It was all about the... Yeah, um, the meaning behind the one song. You know, is It... Again, you know, I've said this before. This is not our full-time job. No. We do not make money off of this. We do this for fun. And, and I do spend roughly about three hours picking through, you know, my resources and making my notes. And that includes finding credible resources to do this so it's i did spend a lot of time and i go through yes i'm just doing it on the internet because i don't have a lot of things accessible to me 
but I still spent a lot of time and I wasn't finding anything. So I, I did find, you know, this and use my detective skills to kind of figure it out, but. I think it might've been more around thriller where it's, that's more what you're getting is the information about the song Mm -hmm. or, um, there was another one and it just automatically scrolled away. Mm -hmm. Um, so would you like my resources? I don't, I don't have a lot of them. Um, I think I have five. So. Hey, it's more than I have. Yeah. Um, so thank you to how Celine Dion's falling into you shape pop music as we know it by Anne Donahue published March 30th, 2017. Thank you to 25 Years of Celine Dion's Falling Into You, No Author, published March 8, 2021 on wearespotlikemusic.com. Thank you to Grammy's Flashback, How Celine Dion's Falling Into You, Upset, Waiting to Exhale in 1997. Who is that? That's where I got. I think Waiting to Exhale is Whitney Houston. Okay. You want to look that up? Yeah. Uh, By Jamie Rodriguez, published February 3rd, 2023 on goldderby.com. And thank you to re- review Falling Into You, Celine Dion, No Author, No Date on TalkAboutPopMusic.com. And thank you to The Power of Celine Dion and How Falling Into You Changed Pop Music Forever, which really didn't give me much information, um, by Yasmin Shemesh, uh, March 18th, 2021 on LCanada.com. <laughs> LCanada. Shouldn't it be Law Canada? Is that how it works? Please just tell me what you found. So... I was looking through a little bit. There are some albums from 96 that were like big albums that were out, but it wasn't anything that I think is a mainstream, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Like, we'll get into it very, very briefly. Antichrist Superstar by Marilyn Manson. That came out in 96. That had a big thing around it, so I, wa- I thought maybe... That might sell more because of the controversy and everything surrounding him. Their uh, Tool's second album came out. Uh, Hanson came out. There were a couple good soundtracks, but I can see why this would have been just just in a brief. Hey, this is what came out this year. I can I can understand that. Mm-hmm. Waiting to so, exhale was Whitney Houston, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it was a soundtrack. Yeah. She was, I think she starred in it, too. I think I saw Mary J. Blige was on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aretha Franklin, Tony Braxton. Because I, I had... Big names. Yeah. TLC. Patti LaBelle. Okay. So. All right, Evan. Will nope, you, you first. Me first? Okay. So... I did know a few of these songs, be it her covers or those big power ballads that were so popular. Before I give my full review here, I have to admit that I really struggled. So that's two weeks in a row because I told you I struggled with Frank Sinatra. Okay. Uh, I wasn't looking forward to it. And I think aside from Rush, this is the first one I just wasn't looking forward to. I, I have something to say in mind that may change your may change your perspective on it but continue okay um it's not because i don't like her her like i said before her voice is wonderful and it's powerful and she definitely deserves that diva status i just don't care for her music it's not awful by any means it's just not what i want to listen to again and again it reminds me of background music for a grocery store or a doctor's office okay 
you know, it's, it is, like you said, it's that easy listening music. It's not something I'm going to actively go to. Um, I did know the words to the bigger hits, and I think if they were to be played during certain situations, I would listen and sing along. Like, if it's all coming, if, um... It's all coming back to me now? Yes. If that song was playing while I was in the shower, I would belt it out because the acoustics in the shower are so awesome. Or if all by myself was on the car while I was in there with my nieces and I want to embarrass them, then I would belt this one out too. Um, they aren't bad songs. They aren't, they just aren't things I'm going to want to actively listen to. I wouldn't put them on, you know, but they're, they're good. It's just, I don't like them if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've run into that with me. It's like, it's, you're thinking of it like I think of a standard album. Like, technically, it's fine. Everything is there. It's just, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't sound awful. It's just, it doesn't make me want to go, yes! Um, like Ghost. Um, I, I didn't keep anything. Those bigger songs aren't necessarily ones that I would skip if they came on the radio, but I didn't want them as part of my own playlist. So, overall, I gave it a C-. minus. Okay. Okay. And your review. So I have a couple things that I want to discuss. I had an idea of what I was going to think about this going into it, and I wasn't exactly thrilled about this. And I normally look up lyrics while I'm listening to it, just kind of have it on the screen. The way I did this album is I didn't have an opportunity to do that because I had to break it up in bits and pieces. So I scrolled through the lyrics for the first like half of the album then it's just like no i don't care enough to to look into it because i could unlike some of the other stuff that i listen to i can act you can understand 95 percent of the words in this Mm -hmm. so it's like i don't i can kind of pay attention and i can figure it out so i'm listening to it's all coming back to me now and i'm scrolling through the lyrics and i see steinman at the end and i'm like okay and i i'm reading a line i'm like i know this why do I know this? I'm listening to it. I'm like, okay. So I did a little bit of research on that. So you know that you said that Steinman worked with Meatloaf on one and two? Mm-hmm. You know there's one a, and three. I thought you said one and two. So you know there's a third one, mm-hmm. right? Meatloaf has a version on the third one of this. Oh, really? So it's like, okay, that's where I'm he- That's what I'm hearing. I'm like, okay, I know that song. It's not necessarily in my wheelhouse that i know a lot of all by myself i recognized it's uh she that's her cover yeah and that's a song that i recognized i was like i'm listening like i know this and i looked at it like i have no idea who that is but i know this song and i don't know why i know this song is it because i sang it to you while we were playing a game and i was like all by myself somewhere like you remember that game we played what was it um when I was drunk and we were playing with Sarah, we were playing um, Munchkin. Munchkin, and she stole my citizen citizen. I've been drinking, um, citizenship card, and I started singing Tom Petty's uh, "Refugee" <laughs> just under my breath. But I'm listening to. It, I was like, okay, I know that. I know this. So here's another. I found it out about two or three tracks into it, and it changed how i kind of listened to it i was thinking more along the lines of early kind of not necessarily early career but like early version like demo version 
of like a Michael Jackson. Not saying those two artists are the same, but I'm hearing like okay, I can I can hear like an early style Michael Jackson in this. This isn't this like may... solo Jackson or yeah. Like what, uh, what is mean? it? The way you make me feel. I think that's one of them. It's kind of like that. It's not the upbeat like the thriller and the beat it, but it, it's one of those poppy. more more I, poppy and not so I, much R and B. No, I, I think I want to go more towards the R and B and soul feel. Towards it, it's the it's the slower. There there's some upbeat to it, but it's kind of a it's an easier listen than it, it's it's a more accessible listen than like a beat it. You know, because there are going to be people that don't like that. Not heaviness, but it's heavier than some of the other stuff. Yeah. So it was like, okay, this is this is tolerable. This is this is how I'll get through this. You know, and it, it wasn't like you said; it's not a bad album. Technically, it's just not for me. I will say, sorry to interrupt you. The first half of the album was better. I mean, her more popular songs were towards the beginning of the album, and then it kind of dropped off, in my opinion. Yeah, it was it was better than I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to use the word like, but I'm not going to use the word hate. Did you really know what to expect? I mean, you know who Celine Dion I is, had, and I'm sure you've heard the Titanic song. I had an idea of what I was getting into, or I... I had an idea of what I thought it was going to be, and it was more that, but it was also, like I said, once I got that Michael Jackson vibe to it, I was like, okay, this is tolerable. You know, it's, it's not something I'd put on. Like, I'll put on the Meatloaf cover, uh, or the Meatloaf version of it, It's All Coming Back to Me Now, because mm-hmm. I like him more than her. Right. But maybe like a B minus, C plus? Hold up. That's what I normally give albums. I normally give them like a B. I was expecting to give it like a C minus because it's Canada minus. <laughs> so I wanted to. She's going to set you on fire. <laughs> Canada minus. Dear Canada, please let, please, please know. I am trying to get him to quit harassing you. It's not working out so well. And I apologize. That sentence had two many syllables. Apologize. apologize. Oh my god. So, it wasn't terrible. Like I said, it was better than I expected it to be. But it's still nothing that I would go to on it. Right. On even a... Everybody's got their coping mechanism for it. For things my coping mechanism for this would be not to listen to it what? um okay here here's the question though okay okay this amanda's question corner yes if all by myself or is all coming back to me now came on serious in the while we were in the car and well I they s- are serious songs i smacked your hand away and said, not today. You cannot switch the, the station. 
and I belted it out as loud and obnoxiously as I could. I'd grab the steering wheel. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I guess that tells me everything I need to know. Um, Do you, okay, are you ready to get, or, nope, final thoughts. I forgot how we do this. Do you have any final thoughts? No. I tried last week and it, it, it broke my brain to do it. Would you try anything else by her? I don't think so. Is the Titanic soundtrack on here? I don't know. No, it shouldn't be because aside from her song, it's mostly like the score. The score, like the Irish that music is on there, and um, like the song they play when the ship's going down. You know, it's all like the background stuff. I have it. Surprise. <laughs> Not surprised. Um. So my final thoughts. I can see why this album was so huge. Um, it definitely had a demographic. It's kind of like the the mom jeans for the music world. <laughs> okay. <laughs> however, and you think I'm insulting? <laughs> however, it is. It still sounds very '90s. I I don't have much to say really, but I knew going into it that I wasn't going to care for it. She's not bad at all. I, and I'm wondering if her more recent stuff has a similar vibe. But no, it's it's not for me. So, Evan. Yes, Amanda. This day in history. Okay. So today is March 17th, and I did all of this research beforehand. So it's not like I'm reading anything to you for the very first time I'm seeing it. Okay? Yeah, that's a lie, but okay. Prove it. March 17th, 1957. Elvis Presley brought, bought the Graceland Mansion from Mrs. Ruth Brown Moore for how much? 23 room, 10,000 square foot on 13 point acres of land. In what year? 1957. $53,000. $102,000. Okay. Uh, the original building had at one point, at one time, been a place of worship used by the Graceland Christian Church. It was named after the builder's daughter, Grace Toof. Okay. Okay. 1967. Working at Abbey Road Studios in London, the Beatles finished the recording of She's Leaving Home after adding backing vocals to the track. Harpist Sheila Bromberg, I believe that's how you say that, okay. who, who was part of the string section on the track, became the first woman to, to play on a Beatles recording. Okay. Uh, also in 1967, Jimi Hendrix Experience released Purple Haze in the UK. So, I mean, it's it was really it looks like it was in the UK first. Yeah, US release was June nineteenth. Okay. Uh, you know, on the cover of the Rolling Stone by Doctor Hook, mm-hmm. that peaked at number six on the US chart in nineteen seventy three. Single was banned in the UK by the BBC due to the reference of the magazine. Okay. So that's a. That's, I don't know if I've heard of, like, song, so, singles being banned in other countries before. Uh, 1979, the Bee Gees went to number one on the UK album chart with their 15th studio album, Spirits Having Flown, the group's first album after their Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Uh, 1979. Gloria Gaynor started a four-week run at number one on the UK singles chart with... I Will Survive. Yes. I mean, 
Not if spleen suffocates you. It's Snickers. Snickers is the one that's supposed to suffocate me in my sleep. Uh, 1984, Van Halen's Jump peaked at number one in the U.S. Over the years, David Lee Roth has given various accounts of the meaning behind the lyrics, but most often says they are about a TV news story he saw where a man was about to kill himself by jumping off a building. I'm not laughing at that story. I'm laughing at the aggressive behavior that Spleens has right now with the scratch pad. Gentle listener, please know... Spleens is a, if you couldn't tell by the name, is a very weird cat. She will sit around for about an hour, hour and a half, not do anything with us, not give us the time of day. And then when we're trying to record, she'll come around and she wants snacks, she wants attention, she wants to just commit crimes. And I'm sorry if you can hear her and if that is distracting we can't help it she's missing several brain cells continue Evan. okay so i want you to remember this name because i'm going to bring him up later okay okay justin hawkins from the darkness became the center of the latest hands-on activity at madame tussauds in london his wax double would judge the air guitar skills of visitors who would be invited to play an imaginary guitar with smoke and music pumping out hawkins said I find the process of air guitaring rather silly. What makes a good air guitarist? Alcohol. (laughs) Okay. Here's an interesting one for you. 2016. English indie rock band, the 1975. You heard of them? Mm Mm-hmm. I know of them. I couldn't tell you anything by them. We're at number one on the U.S. album chart with their second album. I like it when you sleep. For you are so beautiful, yet so unaware of it. The album's title set the record for the longest of a Billboard number one album with 71 characters. Okay. So we're, we're going to leave that one there. and We'll do a couple birthdays real quick. Uh, Nat King Cole. Okay. Um... Nineteen twenty-seven. Hold on. Start that over. 19. Okay. Say that again. 19. Yes, 1919. Okay, I did it. <laughs> um, Paul Kantner from Jefferson Airplane. Uh, guitarist, singer, and songwriter. 1927. 1941. Oh, Jesus Christ, Evan. What? Did I just jump? Yes. Okay. John Sebastian, who's best known as the founder of Love and Spoonful, singer, songwriter, guitarist, harmonicist, and auto harpist. I know. 1954. 1944. Bob Johnson, guitarist with English folk rock band Steel Eye Span, who formed in 1969. The reason I brought this one up is because I thought that said Steely Dan, and it's like, oh, that's a band I know. I do not know Steel Eye Span. 47. 44. American guitarist and songwriter Scott Gorham, Gorham, one of the two, from Tin Lizzy, who had the 1976 hit single The Boys Are Back in Town, and the UK number two album Live and Dangerous. 
51. 51. Ooh. You actually got one legitimate. Billy Corgan. American musician and songwriter with what band? Uh, Smashing Pumpkins. Yes. 76. Flip those. 67. 67. He is really that old? Uh, Smashing Pumpkins, who had the 1995 U.S. number one album, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. That's on this list. I think that's coming up. It is coming up in April. And you know how I told you to remember who Justin Hawkins was? Mm-hmm. Singer with the English rock band, or singer with English rock, The Darkness. We had the 2003 UK number two single, I Believe in a Thing Called Love. The 2003 UK number one album, Permission to Land. 71. 75. They've got a bunch more albums after that. Oh, yeah. It was like, they're still, a, I didn't know they did more than that. Uh, Hozier. Irish singer-songwriter. Bring me to church. Take me to church. Take me to church. Um, okay, your face tells me that I am older than that, so... I am older than that. Oh, shit. Um, 93. 90. Okay. I'm still older than it. Yay, all done. Okay, so do you have a question this time around? Uh, I have lots of questions. Do you have one for the question corner? I have no questions that relate to this. Okay. Actually, no. I will ask a question that relates to this. Do you have a question that relates to this? That is my question. <laughs> That's, not... That's not how this works. not how this works. Uh, okay, I have one. And I know what your immediate answer is going to be. So Seven. Let, me ask the whole... let me ask the whole question before you give me an answer. Okay. So I mentioned how this one is noted for bringing power ballads back. Like, not just carry it into the 90s, but like bringing it back. Do you think... No, I don't think. But finish the rest of your question. I'm so over this. Do you think power ballads were better in the 80s? And if so, which I'm assuming you will say yes, why? Because, like, Mariah Carey also had power ballads. Like, she was... And Whitney. They they were big. Now, you have... Today, you know, I mentioned Adele and, and Ariana and Lady Gaga, but you also have, some, like, Beyonce, I think, has a couple. Um, Taylor Swift probably has a couple. It's... It, do you think they were better in the 80s? And if so, why? I guess that we need to define that... I don't know if I would consider Adele and all of those other ones that you mentioned because I wasn't listening to the names that you were throwing out there. I don't know if I would consider those power ballads or if I would just consider them ballads because I would think power ballads would have more than an acoustic type feel to them. Mm-hmm. So I will say that to me, the ones that would have been in the 80s would be better because that's more my type of music and also there were probably better drugs in the 80s than (laughs) now or there were i don't know what i had my thought and i lost it it was a bad question but we didn't you didn't have a question i was trying to come up with one and it's not it's not necessarily a a good one i guess okay what's your favorite palette power ballad i'd have to see a list of what power power ballads were yeah because of because of how much i've listened to 
just in general and everything that I've listened to recently would not be considered like a power ballad style. So Okay, here we go. I just on the Googs, smoothradio.com. Nineteen of the greatest power ballads of all time. Okay. Number one. Well, this says in no particular order, and then they numbered them, so okay. whatever. Seal, Kiss from a Rose. Okay. Uh, which, which one is which that? Which was 90s. That's is that... one of the Batmans. I know. That's what I was asking is which one. Um, let's see. Batman Forever. Um, so, 95. Okay. It was originally, re- originally released in 94, but Batman came out in 95. Meatloaf. They're... Probably a couple that you could use. Uh, I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that. Um, that, I, th- if we're looking at, what what would you think the biggest power ballad off of this album is? Or the biggest power ballad out of, those, out of that group that you named that wasn't part of the 80s? So the two that you let me do so far? No, not off of that list. The original ones that you were naming off of. You said Adele. Lady Gaga. Okay, what do you think... The biggest and best power ballad out of any of those artists that have been released. What would you pick? I don't know. It's it's hard because I'm more into that music than you are. Like, it, and I like Adele as a whole. Okay, which Adele song do you think would be the best? Somebody like or someone like you. Okay, so we'll we'll change this into a little bit of a game because we'll say okay, someone like you or whichever song off the list. Okay. So I'll take someone like you over Kiss from a Rose. Okay. Because I don't know that song as well. Or Meatloaf. I'd take Meatloaf. Okay. Journey. Don't Stop Believing. I'll take Journey. Bonnie Tyler. Total Eclipse of the Heart. Don't know that one, so I'll take Adele. You would recognize it. I know it, but I don't know it well, so I'll take Adele. Uh, Bon Jovi, Always. I don't know this one. I don't know that one. I know other Bon Jovi, but I'll still take Adele. Prince. Purple Rain. I think I'd take Adele. Shut up! I I wasn't a huge fan of that album in general. Shut up! There, Purple Rain drags on too long in points. Shut up! It drags on too long in points. Shut up. Brian Adams, Everything I Do, I Do It For You. Don't know that one, so I'll take Adele. That's a. It's for a Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves movie. Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Phil Collins, Against All Odds. Don't know that one. Um, it's apparently it's from a 1984 romance movie of the same name. Um, Whitney Houston, I have nothing. I got nothing. Do you not know that song? Not offhand, and I don't want you to uh... sing it. It's from the Bodyguard soundtrack, so you're going to have to listen to it because that's on this list. Great. Mr. Mr. Broken Wings. I know of Mr. Mr. because of Train and your favorite song by them. Mm -hmm. But I'll take Adele. Foreigner. There are a couple that you could go with. I want to know what love is. I don't like that song. That's a good song. Heart Alone. Don't know that one. I don't know that one either. Um, Aerosmith. I, I'm not a huge Aerosmith fan, so it depends on which one you say. Uh, I don't want to miss a thing. Yep. No. I was going to give you so many hints. Nope, nope, don't like it. John Farnham, You're the Voice. Don't know it. Take Adele. Um, Starship, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. Adele, I don't know it. 
Tina Arena Chains. Don't know it. I don't know this one either. Um, Alana Miles, Black Velvet. Don't know it. You don't know that? God damn, you think you know a person. Um, Def Leppard. Uh, pour Some Sugar on Me? When Love and Hate Collide. I pour don't. Some Sugar on Me is not a power ballad. <laughs> I don't know. That was the only Def Leppard song I could think of right away. And the last one? Celine Dion. It's all coming back to me now. I'd take Adele over her. Mm-hmm. So, based on this scientific research, I guess the conclusion that they are better now, only because we aren't, or I'm not as familiar with what it would have been. Mm-hmm. So, that was some scholarly research that we did. That was, that was kind of fun, though. So... Do you have any recommendations for the listeners? No, but we're going to have to play another game like that. So a recommendation is give us a a category and we'll see, okay, take the biggest thing from this and we'll try and find another list of 15 to 20 and say which we would prefer. That'd be a recommendation. Yeah. Make you do all the work, your listener. Um, I guess I don't have a recommendation. We, uh, what did we do last? We didn't record last week. What? I don't remember what was going on. We were behind on. Oh, you were cleaning your room upstairs, your man cave upstairs that occupied all your time. And I'm still not done. No, I think it's worse. <laughs> it's better. You can't walk in the door because of you. No, you. We were cleaning this other room at your request. Which you dumped a lot of your shit in. Prove it. it it's all in your doorway now. Um, so no real recommendations. So, okay. I guess I will end this. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Worst Pod on Mars. Find us on Facebook, Worst Podcast on Mars. Uh, send us an email, worstpodonmars at gmail.com. Um, stop by, say hi. Give us a recommendation because on Tuesdays, we do these little episodes called Reviews Days where we just do the review section of our long episodes. Um, on whatever podcast format you're listening to, give us a rating, give us a review, let us know what you think. Um, make some suggestions for us in, in terms of like what you would like to hear from us. Not, not just albums, but is there a way we can do this better or... Should we quit entirely? Um, Next week, we're going to do Dire Straits Brothers in Arms. Bye-bye.